Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus the Pacers. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get a chance to watch our Pistons live, I do a short 20-25 minute episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. I'll start off by giving you a quick rundown of the game, followed by my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, something to keep an eye on moving forward, my thoughts on the opponents, and a brief look ahead to what will come next for our Pistons. Let's get right into this one as I'm recording immediately after the Pistons' fourth win of the season, a 97-89 win over the Pacers, an exciting game, an exciting win for the Pistons. Some pregame notes, we saw this team lay an egg on Monday after a huge win, so now we got the chance to see how they would respond after laying that egg. So were they going to be able to bounce back the very next game? one day off, one day in between games, and really respond after laying that egg. Pistons run out the same starting lineup. Can we get off to a good start? That's what I put in my notes, a little question mark there. Can we get off to a good start after how last game went and with the same lineup, starting lineup now five games in a row? The Pacers start with Brogdon, Lavert, Keelan Martin, Sabonis, and Turner. First corner, no flow offensively whatsoever. So I guess to answer my own question, I did not see us get off to that good start that I was hoping for. Seems like a lot of possession that ended in some sort of isolation, something that's been talked a lot about and will continue to be talked about. Hayes contesting on a Brogdon drive, stays down holding that injured hand. This isn't going away, guys. It's something we're going to continue to see from Killian Hayes with that injured thumb. And I don't know if we're going to end up being able to give him some time off or not, but it's just going to continue to happen. The defense was getting stops, and really all game long we're going to see this, except for a stretch in the third quarter. The offense was even getting second chances, and they weren't able to extend the lead at all. The energy started to pick up. You started about midway through the first. Both teams started getting a little bit of a flow. The Pistons were up by five, but I felt like they should have been up by 10. And this is going to be a theme throughout the game for me anyway, was I felt like this team was playing well enough, especially on the defensive end, that they always should have been up by more. Brogdon really kept the Pacers in the game as they struggled to score early. He was really good tonight, guys. Ended up with just 20 points, just 20 points, but leading scorer for the Pacers. I thought he had a really nice game. Um, Casey with a good coach's challenge at the end of this quarter on a block charge call. Uh, involving Corey Joseph. They called it a charge on the floor, challenged it. They reversed the call, ends up in a three-point play. They gave up a bucket, but Frank hits another three. He got it going a little bit to end the quarter, and the Pistons start the second quarter up 24-21. They are being very disruptive defensively where the Pistons early in this game. Eight steals through 12 minutes. Not just turnovers, but steals, which usually will tend to lead to fast-break opportunities. Kojo really showing out with eight points for the second unit at this point in the game, and the Pistons take a nine-point lead. We're going to talk quite a bit about Corey Joseph in this episode. Defense, or like I said, the poor Pacers offense, continues to flash as they only have 27 points almost halfway through the second quarter. So the Pistons do a great job holding the Pacers offense down through most of this game and especially through the first quarter and a half. 
some momentum changing misses and makes misses for the Pistons and makes for the Pacers as they cut the lead to one at the 440 mark in the second quarter. Grant misses a three with a wide open Sadiq Bay in the corner. The Pacers bang a three on the other end. We come down, Bay misses two shots at the rim and Brogdon gets a layup and the Pacers go on a little run there. This is an article I'm going to drop at some point this week for Detroit bad boys. So be on the lookout for that. Just kind of breaking down these momentum swings for both ways. You know, in this game later on, we're going to see where it's in a positive way. This was a negative one where I thought we could have stopped a Pacers momentum swing and we weren't able to do it. But we bounce right back with an 8-0 run to end the first half after the Pacers had tie a nice response there. And I'll talk about the couple of plays that got that going for the Pistons. Go into the third quarter up 49-41. I felt like we better start fast or the Pacers were going to take control. I knew the Pacers had some sort of run coming. It didn't come as early as I thought. Early in this third quarter, again, I thought we had a chance to make a run and we didn't take advantage, highlighted by a steal from Killian Hayes, a miss by Sadiq Bey. So I just, as this young team starts to make those plays, make those shots and continue momentum and runs to extend leads from five to 10 or to stop momentum runs from the other team at a 4-0 run instead of a 10-0 run, we'll start to see this team be better and better. Pacers eventually do go on the run as Sabonis started to get it going here in the third quarter. An inability to make shots for the Pistons and just not really getting some good possessions creates an inability for the Pistons to stop this run. But we finally get a really nice possession after a timeout to stop it. And then Sadiq Bey with a little takeover after the Pistons go down five. So the Pacers take a five-point lead here in the third quarter. It really looked like they were just going to not run away with it, but continue to extend it. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm sure I will highlight this stretch from Sadiq Bey and we're going to talk about kind of the rotations and how it looked a little bit different for Dwayne Casey tonight. And that started with Sadiq Bey and the staggering of minutes. So he's in the lineup with essentially the second unit with no Jeremy Grant or Kate Cunningham. This is why you stagger minutes. So you have a guy like Sadiq Bey on the floor to stop a run like this from the Pacers. And it was a huge, huge part of this game. I don't know that the Pistons win this game without this stretch from Sadiq Bey late in the third quarter. We go into the fourth quarter tied 73-73 and the Pacers immediately go on a 6-0 run. So now they take a 6-0 lead. Uh, timeout. And I honestly, guys, I'm not one to call out Dwayne Casey. You know, I try to be fair and, and look, see both sides of it but I did not like the set we ran after this timeout. It gets Frank a three on the move, which I don't think he's done a good job of making this season. You know, the catch and shoot threes are the ones we see him make. Stand in the corner, have his feet set, gets a good pass, and he knocks those ones down. That's not what this one was. It was him running off the baseline off a staggered screen, and I just didn't really like the set that came out of that timeout. This is something I'd like to see Frank improve in his game and was hoping we would see improved, but it's not what we've seen yet. The second unit plus Bay does keep the game close enough for the starters. I did think that maybe he rolled with them just for a little too long for my liking, but I understand you want to keep those starters rested, and it paid off. Cade comes in and immediately takes over, guys. This is what Cade Cunningham does. You know, like I just, I watched it in college. I tweeted this out. I watched it in college. I'm the one that's talked about it. I'm not just me. Everybody's talked about it, but I've talked about it. We've highlighted it. I know that this is who Kate is. He gets off to slow starts, maybe doesn't look like the best player on the floor through the first three and a half quarters. And then whenever it's clutch time, when it's closing time in the fourth quarter, he takes over and he comes in and he does it again. Kate hits a huge bucket and then he gets Frank Jackson hits a huge three that answers a bucket from the Pacers that was an assist from Kate Cunningham. So those are the shots that I'm talking about. The Pacers are able to get a three to answer 
Cade Cunningham's bucket, and then immediately comes back. He gets Frank Jackson a three, and he knocks it down. Did think it was interesting that Killian Hayes didn't play in the fourth and didn't finish with that closing lineup. Kind of an interesting thing there um, that they rolled with Corey Joseph. Again, we'll talk more about Corey Joseph. But Jeremy Grant ices it with a mid-range pull-up, and then Corey Joseph with a great defensive rotation to kind of end the game there as the Pacers might have got a bucket to keep it close. And then Isaiah Stewart gets an and one, and the game is over. And we see the Pistons get that win, 97-89. Let's get right into the biggest takeaways. I kind of talked about this on the last uh, instant recap. This team is Jekyll and Hyde, and it continues. You never know what they're going to get. They're going to keep us on our toes all year. I kind of say it with a smile on my face right now, and that's because we saw the good part of it, right? So I'm excited, and it was an enjoyment to watch. But I know that you know in the next couple of games, we're probably going to see the other side of it. So we're in for a roller coaster all season long, um, but it's still it makes this team fun to watch, and it's really fun whenever we see nights like tonight. I thought I, here's something interesting: Miles Turner and Sabonis, maybe two bigger guys that you would assume are going to give Piston the Piston trouble on the offensive end or on the Pistons defensive end with their size. And I know Turner shoots threes, but Sabonis is kind of a a mid-post, post player. They combined for just 21 points. Three of those are from a Miles Turner three, and the Pacers only had seven total offensive rebounds. I guess what I'm trying to say, and I don't know what the paint points were, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I was surprised that we were able to hold our own in the paint with our lack of size. You know, Kelly Olynyk's not playing. Luca Garza didn't play tonight. So between Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Trey Lyles, those type of guys, they were really able to hold their own and frustrate those guys in the paint. And I thought they did a good job. As Sabonis had 15, Turner only had six. They were six of 15 from the field. So I thought that was pretty good. And Sabonis, seven of the 10 came, or seven of the 15 came from the free throw line. So I thought that looked, that that was promising that with a small lineup, they were kind of able to hold their own against that lineup. Pistons had every chance to, to really extend a lead and win this game by more and, you know, really make this game not as close as it was. I don't think that this is something they can continue to do. If they want to continue to win games, they're going to have to take advantage of those opportunities in the first, second, and third quarter to extend leads. So they're up by 15 when the Pacers go on their run in the third quarter. And now that only goes down to a five-point Pistons lead instead of losing the lead and being down by five or six like we saw in the second half. So I think that's important that they take advantage of those opportunities early in game to extend leads or it's going to hurt them and come back to bite them in terms of getting wins and losses. Dwayne Casey really changed up the rotation at least a little bit tonight in terms of Frank Jackson comes in for Bay for the first sub at six minutes in the first quarter. And that was so we could see the staggering of Bay's minutes so he could start the second quarter with Grant and Kate out. And then we saw it in the second half as well. Really love that play. For Sadiq Bay, I think it, I mean, we talk about development all the all the time, right? Like I see people tweeting and talking about how is this offense conducive to the development of the young players? Well, you know what decision Dwayne Casey made that is conducive to the development of one of our young players? That's staggering Sadiq Bay's minutes so he can be the alpha, quote unquote, alpha guy and be the go-to offensive player during those minutes. So I think that's great for his development as a young player. And that was a great decision by Dwayne Casey. One little tweak I'd like to see made is how he can adjust those minutes so we can see Sadiq get back into the fourth quarters a little bit earlier. I believe it was like three minutes left to go in the fourth quarter when he finally got back in. 
Um, the closing lineup was a little bit different than what we had seen. So that was a change up, just a nine man rotation total for the Pistons where we saw a 10 man rotation earlier in the season. And we're not quite to the n- game number 20, just game number 14, but it was, you know, Casey said through 20 games to kind of decide on his rotation. So we're getting really, really close. Hami subs in with one minute to third, one minute and 30 seconds in the first quarter. So we saw whether it was, what we saw from him in the fourth quarter, whether his time was coming, I don't know what it was. Maybe it just was time to give him a chance. No Josh Jackson tonight, which I don't necessarily love. I thought Josh had been playing fine, but Hami subs in. I, I do think it was good to see him get some rotation minutes. We'll talk about m- more about him when we get to things to keep an eye on. Guys, Kate is going to be a special, special player when he starts making shots consistently. So tonight he's 6 of 18 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3. So he didn't shoot it well from the three-point line tonight. The wiggle and his to-the-rim game is so much better than I thought. I've talked about this before. I know I continue to talk about it, but it's because it impresses me so much. And then the clutch shots that he makes late in the game, I want to see him make those in the middle of the game. Like I think there's some momentum-changing buckets and possessions that he's not converting right now in the middle of the game. We saw him like some three-point attempts where I really felt like if he makes those, it extends a run or stops a run from the Pacers. But he is going to be special. He's special. He's not special already. I think we can see the potential. Let me slow myself down just a little bit. I'm excited tonight because of the win. Okay. We see the potential for him to be special with all the intangibles. Me and Wes joke all the time because we text each other during the games and we're just nitpicking Cade's game. And I'm like told Wes, I was like, do I need to be more positive about Cade on the, on the podcast? Because I feel like people are going to be like, what's this guy's problem? Like, I'm super excited about Cade. I think he's going to be a stud. Like, like I said, I think he's going to be special. And because of that, I kind of find that we, I nitpick little things like his off ball over helping and those type of things. And I think it's because his ceiling is so high. And I, I hope everybody realizes it's a compliment that I continue to look for ways to him to become better because I know how good he can be for this organization. I have called for Saban Lee over Corey Joseph, right? And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Because of that, I felt like I need to also say it might be time for some Luca Garza over Trey Lyles. And I'll be honest, I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm the one that has said that I'm not sure Luca Garza is ready, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get some minutes. I don't think Trey, Trey Lyles has been great lately. I thought Trey Lyles was good through the, about the first 10 games of the season. I really did. Maybe four games, sample size is too small or how many ever games it's been where I feel like he struggled the last few. So maybe not quite yet, but I'm definitely starting to lean a little bit more towards that. And again, I don't know that it's as much about getting Luca Garza time, and even though I love his energy on the bench, as much as like I'm not sure Trey Lyles is doing it for me right now and for the Pistons. He's 2 of 8 from the field tonight, 0 of 3 from the three-point line. Player of the game, I'm going to eat a little bit of crow tonight, and I just alluded to it a second ago. I've been calling for Saban Lee over Corey Joseph, but Corey Joseph is the player of the game for the Pistons tonight. I know Cade made some big buckets late. Jeremy Grant iced it, had 19 points. Not really efficient from the field. Neither was Sadiq Bey, even though he had a great run there in the third quarter. But Corey Joseph, 18 points on 7-11 from the field. His three that he made, the only one of the night, was a big one. Only one turnover from Corey Joseph. He had a great defensive rotation to ice the game after Jeremy Grant's mid-range pull-up. Corey Joseph's the player of the game for me tonight. I thought he was big time. If this is the Corey Joseph, I've said this after a couple games this season. If this is the Corey Joseph we can get, then I want to see him get those minutes. Again, it's like the team with the Jekyll and Hyde thing. We've got a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde with Corey Joseph. Just a few plays of the game, a little bit more than the last episode. Those back-to-back transitions late in the second quarter. 
when the game was tied. I believe it was 41-41. Hayes to Grant. Nice pass to Grant in transition. And then we get a stop. Cade Cunningham to Sadiq Bay for a dunk. And the Pistons go on a little 4-0 run. It ended up being an 8-0 run going into halftime. I love that little sequence there. A lot of talk about transition. You want to hear us talk about transition on the Motor City Hoops podcast. I got Omari coming on here in a few days, dropping on Tuesday. We're going to talk about transition and what it means to us and for this team. Into the third quarter. Casey runs a half-court trap and forces a timeout from the Pacers. I bring this up because it left them with a short shot clock, and they end up missing that on that possession right before the end of the third. I thought it was a nice call there by Dwayne Casey, and we're going to talk about that half-court trap in the 1-2-2 full-court trap or press Okay, here later in the episode. And then mid-fourth, talked about this. Cade returns, hits that tough mid-range to tie the game, follows up with a pass to Joseph. Four or three. The Frank Jackson three came a little bit later, but I just thought those were the plays of the game for me. Even maybe even that Isaiah Stewart and one at the end that really, really finished the Pacers off the Jeremy Grant pull up. Some things to keep an eye on. Kate is a ball screener. Okay, that happened a couple times in the first quarter. It's something we've talked a little bit about, just interchanging parts in the ball screen action, especially if we don't have a guy that's just going to do it every single rep every single possession. I think one time he slipped into the post. We saw a little post up. It wasn't effective. And then another time he slipped into a three-point shot. Maybe just another little quirk, another little way that Dwayne Casey in the offense can get Cade Cunningham the ball in some different situations. Is Frank Jackson going to start making shots again? Right? 11 points tonight, 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. So we've seen him get to go, get it going just a little bit. In the last four games, Frank Jackson, three of five from three, two of three, two of seven, two of five. So just going, get it going just a little bit. I think it's about shot selection for Frank Jackson. When he's on the move, really forcing things, doesn't look as good. Okay, but when he has feet are set, in rhythm, gets a good pass. If you want to see the importance of a good pass and an accurate pass, go check out my breakdown on Detroit Bad Boys that dropped I believe it was yesterday, and just I tried to highlight how important a good, accurate pass is and what inaccurate passes sometimes lead to. But when Frank gets those, he knocks them down, five rebounds for Frank as well. Hamadiallo, he brought energy, athleticism, obviously, and I think that stuff, you could really see it. Now can he start kind of doing the tangible things? In 14 minutes, he had two points and two rebounds. I'm not necessarily a stats guy, but I'd like to see him get a couple buckets, get a couple assists, go grab five or six rebounds. But I thought some of those intangible things, just in terms of the energy he brought defensively, that's a little harder to quantify. Okay, I thought he did a good job with those things. The roles on this team, again, not to plug this too much, but Omari's coming on here in a few days. And I think we're going to have a great episode. And one thing we're going to talk about is Jeremy Grant and the roles and Sadiq Bay and Kate. And I just can't help but wonder and something to keep an eye on as Cade coming in disrupted the balance of power for a guy like Jeremy Grant. Is Jeremy Grant now trying to figure out where his role is when he was the alpha all last season? Is Sadiq Bey trying to figure that out? Now, staggering minutes is going to help that with Sadiq Bey because now he can be the alpha without Jeremy and Cade on the floor. Maybe even Killian, is he trying to figure out his way as he plays off ball more? So some of those things are just something to keep an eye on moving forward. I talked about the half-court trap the Pistons ran at the end of the third. How about the 1-2-2 press we see after made free throws? As teams prepare for it, is this something that will become a liability or is it something that's going to continue to be an advantage for the Pistons, run the shot clock down, give shorter possessions for teams, even seen a couple steals created off of it. So that's something just to keep an eye on. And we saw them running that half-court trap a little bit, just running at a guy, the ball handler. Again, is that something they can utilize 
late in shot clocks, late in quarters, late in games, something they can use to their advantage. I think, it, you know, it's not something you're going to see like a high school team. Like the high school team I coach, we press literally 32 minutes a night. That's all we do no matter what full court run and jump. I'm not saying the Pistons can do something like that, but are we going to see it four or five possessions of a game where they run at a guy and trap or give a little bit of full court pressure just to change the tempo? Okay, and Hayes and how physical he is defensively. I did a little breakdown on him and Isaiah Stewart's defense, and I talked about how so far with how physical Killian Hayes plays, it hasn't really snuck up on him in terms of foul trouble, but tonight he got a few fouls. He ended with just four, but – you know, sometimes you can get a reputation for those things in the NBA. I'm not saying it's a big deal or something we definitely like have to worry about right now, but just something to keep an eye on moving forward. Some thoughts on the other team. Malcolm Brogdon, I was really impressed by guys. I thought he he's a really underrated player in this league. I thought he had a good night. He's a good player having another career year for Malcolm Brogdon. He kind of does it quietly, I guess, quote unquote. I thought he made big buckets. I thought in the first quarter he was about their only offense. He kept them in the game and kept the Pistons from really going on a huge run there. Everyone else on that team looked really out of sorts, at least in the first half. And, and uh, I don't mean for this to be negative. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Pacers play any other game this year. I try to watch some of the other games, nationally televised games. I haven't seen the Pacers, but nobody really stood out to me. And maybe it's just a tough night for the Pacers. Maybe they're just out of rhythm. But I said during the offseason that I, we, we did an episode where we ranked the coaching vacancies when there's like six or seven vacancies open. And we ranked like the most attractive to the least attractive. And this was one of the ones that was lower on my list. And it's because they do have a bunch of just like solid players. Like you go through their roster and it's like, oh, that guy's solid. That guy's solid. But I don't know that there's anybody that just excites you. And I know some people go like, well, you're a Detroit Pistons fan. Like, but I, I realize the Pistons are in a completely different place than the Pacers and the Pacers are probably a better team but to me the Pacers are like in that middle like always going to be mediocre you know what is the game plan to take the next step I guess maybe where the Pistons were at a few years ago and how fans felt about that team a few years ago a couple years ago where it was like you know you're just right in the middle but you don't really see a future to take that next step into like championship contender that's where I see the Pacers right now and so I'm just interested to see what, again, kind of like we talked about with the Kings, what moves can they make? What is the next step for this Pacers team? Um, Chris Duarte did not play tonight. I did want to highlight that, a, a rookie who's had a really solid season for them thus far. Looking ahead, we get the best team in the NBA right now, the Warriors on Friday. So this will be a great test. I talked about this. We get a win over the Raptors. We come back and we lay a dud against the Kings. Now we come back, we get a win over the Pacers. And who do we get? We get the Warriors on Friday. So how are we able to respond now after a win? Can we do have a better response than we had the last time to a win? The Warriors' best record in the NBA right now without Wiseman and Klay Thompson. They are 12-2. and two. Had a blowout win over the Nets last night, Tuesday night, if you're listening to this Thursday morning. And they play Cleveland tonight, if you're listening to it on Thursday. They play the Cavs Thursday night. Just a real quick nugget there for the Cavaliers. Evan Mobley is out with an injury for a couple, I think two to four weeks for the Cavaliers. Obviously having a great year for the Cavs, that rookie. This is going to mean a back-to-back for the Warriors. So be interesting to see what we get from them in terms of energy and all that. First in points scored, first in the six assists, second in rebounds. This is obviously a really good team playing well. Steph Curry with another big season. I've said it before, guys. I'm not going to like hide it. Like He is one of my favorite players in the NBA outside of the Detroit Pistons. He's so much fun to watch. He is must-TV. If you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of the NBA, you have to love watching Steph Curry. He changed the game of basketball. Um 
So it'll be fun to watch him. And I'm fun to, it'll be exciting to see what Killian Hayes can do in that matchup. I'm excited to see that Killian and Cade matched up with Steph Curry and see how they're able to defend him. Jordan Poole from Michigan, a Michigan kid. Okay. University of Michigan with a huge third year, taking another leap in his game, had a really good year so far for the Warriors. Gary Payton, the second, been making some noise lately. Kind of cool to see that for him. The young rookies for them, Moody and Kaminga, yet to make a huge impact. I believe Kaminga's been playing a little bit more recently, so it'll be interesting to see if we see those guys at all or not. But the biggest takeaway for me for that game will be how we respond. Okay, I think it's a lot to ask this Pistons team to go and beat the Warriors on Friday, but do they respond better than they did the last time they got a win? As always, I want to thank my guy Wes Davenport, who we call the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast and takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we are getting right now. And I also want to give a special shout out to my wife, Randy. You know, like I come home from basketball practice. I'm at school all day. She's a nurse, so she works all day as well. I come home. From basketball practice, I turn the Piston game on right away, and then I come right down to record. She's taking care of the kids, haven't had any time to spend with me and you know us together tonight. So I just appreciate her so much for the sacrifices she makes so I can do this, and I just want to give her a shout-out. Motor City Hoops will be back with an instant recap episode after Friday's game versus the Warriors, and then we'll get one out of our we- get out one of our weekly recap episodes on Tuesday when we'll be joined by Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press. Talked about that a lot throughout this episode. That's going to be a lot of fun as Wes has some great sheet or sham questions lined up for Omari. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.